0: Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.
1: In the week that saw Ellie Ferguson become the greatest dancer, Kim Marsh announced she's leaving Corrie, and the Oscars provide the usual glitz and glam, this is Series Linked. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times and this is Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Hi, Jeffers. Hey, how's it going? Good. Well, on this week's episode of the podcast, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand, Martin Cleans will be joining us in the studio to talk about his big new comedy. We talk Channel 4 shows in the shape of Child Genius and documentary Three Identical Strangers. Plus, Casualty star Amanda Mealing chooses her box set to watch before you die. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. So, hello, Jeffers. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks you. Good. I stayed up a bit to watch the Oscars. I went to bed, watched it, and then went back to bed. Favorite bit? Uh, well, I mean, Olivia Coleman's speech was great. I was, I was pretty miffed about um, about Richard D. E. Grant. I was like, no, that's the moment. That's the moment we all wanted. He, he
2: enjoyed the Barbara Streisand bit on stage. So that he got was very amazing. emotional. <laughs>
1: He just kind of turns to Melissa McCarthy and was like, "Wow, wow, it's rather more But I want to know what happened afterwards. Did they hang out? Are they best friends now? Yeah,
2: hopefully. Uh, yeah, you got something out of it. If you didn't get the award, maybe you got to hang out with Barbara,
1: I suppose. I enjoyed Queen opening it. I enjoyed Tina and Amy and Maya Rudolph as well, doing a sort of mini opening monologue in the absence of a host. I thought it was a good show, actually, but it was a bit awkward. Julia Roberts at the end did the final award and then she was like, uh, thanks, bye, <laughs> because there was no one to close it all off.
2: And I think just to go back to Olivia, because it's probably a lot, what a lot of British people care about the most and all the talk on social media this week, I mean, she is now like a bona fide global star. Still, I still think of her mainly as, as being a TV star when it comes to Britain. And, and we've still got the crown to come. I mean, it's, she's going to be sort of a, a huge household name, isn't she now?
1: It's unbelievable. And you think of her in Peep Show. I know lots of people only know her from Broadchurch even. But, you know, way back, she was just someone that popped up in Mitchell and Webb shows. And now, I mean, she's stratospheric. It's incredible.
2: And even Broadchurch, you know, a lot of people, that would be sort of the peak of your career. And she's obviously excellent in that as well. But she just seems to be getting sort of bigger and bigger.
1: Impossible to get an interview with her now, I would have thought. Mm. So we learned this week that the greatest answer, or the greatest answer, as Alicia <laughs> says, uh, is going to be back for a second series. Are you happy about this?
2: Well, we, we've sort of talked about it most weeks, actually, and I, th- I think it probably does deserve a second shot. Um, the final did pretty well, average of 4.1 million, peak of 4.5, which is a bit better than it's been getting. The only thing is I don't think many people would know the name of the winner, perhaps, if we asked them out on the street. And I think that's something they need to address next year and try and get more high profile, I guess, around the show. And also think there's probably a need for a slight change in format. Maybe there's, we've, we've talked before about there maybe it being too many people on it too many lose
1: the receptionist maybe lose the receptionist or
2: lose one of the hosts or or maybe maybe you look at a different uh, captain or judge or whatever you want to call them maybe they need to be changed around but not Oti
1: though because Oti's you know she's on the rise now she's going to host the one show she's everyone's favourite now but I think Matthew Morrison brought Not very much.
2: Well, I think the thing with OT is she's got the dance experience. She can also dance up on stage. I think one of the highlights we talked about was in the semi-final when they all dance with the Axe on stage in some of the Strictly cast. I think there probably needs to be more moments like that. You need sort of perhaps big name singers or big name performers who can dance as well. Perhaps the captains getting involved in that. These big high profile dance numbers, they're, they're going to get people watching. And I think that would help massively. So probably a little tweak of the format. A tweak of uh, the, the person now, and, and I think they could have a show that's going to get five or six million.
1: And shock TV news this week, Kim Marsh going out of Corrie. I don't get this. She's been there for 13 years. You know, she, she was taken from pop stardom and put in Corrie and suddenly became one of the nation's favourite soap actresses. She's done so well. I thought she kind of knew which side her bread was buttered and thought, right, I'm going to I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay put. But obviously not.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's played Michelle Connolly for 13 years and uh, you you would think she would want to keep doing it, but there is a well-trodden path. Sarah Lancashire, Michelle Keegan. She's not Keegan. Sarah Lancashire, though, is she? Come on. No, no, she's not. But I think she's obviously going to try other dramas. I think lots of people try this and they end up coming back and I think that's probably what's going to happen with Kim as well. I think she's going to go away and probably
1: come back. They're not going to kill her off for sure. Now, as ever, there's plenty of new telly to talk about. And we're going to be chatting about new comedy Warren with Martin Clunes in a little bit. But Jeffers, first of all, I want to talk to you about daytime drama Shakespeare and Hathaway on BBC One. This is kind of a bit like the Stratford version of Death in Paradise in a way. This is the second series started this week. What do you make of it?
2: I mean, it's quite a nice little drama, really. It's quite a gentle pace. They're private investigators, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's quite light. It's quite humorous. It's based around Frank, played by Mark Benton, and Lou, played by Joe Joyner. And uh, I must admit, I hadn't really watched the first series. I watched a couple of episodes of this, and I did quite enjoy it. And I thought of you in the first episode because it was all around an unexplained missing dog.
1: I did not steal the dog I refute that now uh, but yeah no but it's about a dog napping because they're private investigators it doesn't have to be murders sometimes it's you know kidnapping or I don't know someone thinks someone's having an affair or whatever I mean it's not it's not the bridge obviously but I think Jo Joyner was talking when she was doing lots of press about this about how everything is so dark and everything is so intense and actually for daytime and daytime drama does really well things like The Indian Doctor and Father Brown get huge audiences I think it's really fun really well acted and nice little addition to the schedules
2: I think it reminded me a little bit of midsummer, a little bit maybe of Death in Paradise in the sense that it's all completed in that one episode there's not too much thinking needed it's quite a relaxed watch it is on in daytime but obviously it's going to be on the iPlayer as well I think probably some people listening would, would enjoy this if, if they enjoy something like Death in Paradise they should probably give this a go as well
1: well the cast have said they'd quite like to see it on Sunday nights actually and it wouldn't be out of place there I don't think
2: no, it could definitely go. It's not something that would need to go on like after the watershed, as we've said. It's not too um, heavy or grisly. It's quite a gentle pace of the of the storyline, and it, yeah, it's just quite good fun. I thought the second episode, which was about sort of live action role play, I found that one quite amusing. Uh, Mark Benton ended up looking more like Hagrid from Harry Potter in a, <laughs> in his outfit, let's just put it that way. And there's some nice comic touches as well. Um, I think both the leads are pretty good in it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Mark Benton and Joe Joyner? They're great. So thumbs up for Shakespeare and Hathaway. And we have to talk about, aha, uh-huh, Alan Partridge. What did you think of his return to the BBC? What is he back for the first time in 25 years or something on the beat i think
2: it's it's 25 years yeah it's this time with alan partridge it's essentially the one show it's essentially a sort of a, a spoof of the one show and um yeah i did really enjoy it i saw a few of the critics were a bit unsure about whether alan would have actually got this job but i think you've oh, got what to, does
1: it matter come on yeah i think
2: you've just got to go with it um i think also uh the, the co-star on the effectively on the one show is jenny grecian played by Susanna fielding and I thought she was an excellent foil to Alan. I found it really funny. It went off on tangents in exactly the way that One Show does. And, and, and it was great. I'm really, I really pleased just to have him back, to be honest with you, on screen.
1: Well, it's clever what they've done, because for hardcore Partridge fans like you, this is, yeah, brilliant, he's back. And for people who maybe weren't obsessed the first time around, just a sort of, I was more David Brent generation, really, than Partridge, it's just funny in its own right. And for anyone who's ever rolled their eyes at the One Show, this is, this is kind of great comedy. Uh, I, th- I think it's really well-pitched.
2: The other thing is when it's been on screen in recent years, Alan's been uh, sort of relegated or pushed aside and has ended up on Sky. So I think a lot of fans who maybe used to like the show or used to like him on the day-to-day or, or liked him in any form, they've sort of lost him and they probably haven't seen a lot of the, the more recent stuff. So it is it's 25 years since he's back on the BBC and I think so many people are pleased to have him back on sort of mainstream TV really.
1: And as a big fan, do you think this is up there with the classic Partridge or do you think there's it's any worse, any better or do you think it's... It's just as brilliant as you want it to be.
2: It's really, it's really up there. I think I, I really enjoyed, um, particularly episode two, which people are watching next week. I think it sort of finds its feet a bit more because it hasn't been on mainstream for a while. They do need to set the scene, and obviously set up this time if you like the program and and the other people involved but there is some bits that come across from sky you've got the character simon denton played by tim key he's really good as well and and as i've already mentioned Susanna fielding who's playing jenny gresham they're both really good characters so it's not just all about alan there's some great cameos from real life bbc stars coming up and i do think it's really great I, i think anyone who hasn't watched it um I think most fans will have watched it by now, but if, if you've just got some vague recollection of Alan, I'd give him another go and i will start watching.
1: So looking at our TV calendars at the moment, we can clearly see that 1970s week is coming up on the Great British Sewing Bee with good old Joe Lycett. So we're digging out those tie-dye shirts and platform boots and flared jeans. It's all getting very 70s. Jeffers, my question to you this week is this. If you could, which 1970s TV show would you resurrect?
2: Well, first of all, I've got to say, although I look very old, I was actually only born in 1979. Unbelievable. This is before my time, believe it or not. But there were a lot of good TV series that kicked off in the 70s or just ran in the 70s. MASH, big sort of army comedy-drama. 72 to 83. Happy Days.
1: I loved Happy Days.
2: Happy Days was pretty cool. Used to be on Channel 4, a lot repeated on Channel 4. Forty Towers, 75 to 79, one of the classic comedies of our time. Uh, Porridge, 74 to 77. They There's, brought that back though and the, it was pretty grim. That didn't work. So these are, these are just, you know, this is my usual list. Uh, I'm going to come up with a definitive. The Sweeney, 75 to 78. I'm not sure that would work today, but my thoughts were The Good Life. That ran from 1975 to 1978 and I think that could be ripe for a remake.
1: Do you think, who would you have being Richard Briers and Penelope Key?
2: I'm not sure, I haven't got as far as the casting but I just think the idea of a couple perhaps trying to basically live off the land uh, moving out of sort of mainstream London and go in sort of to the suburbs... That sort of strikes me as what a lot of young people are trying to do now. That There's a lot of people trying to live as vegans. They're trying to maybe have their own chickens for, for their own eggs. Or,
1: Sustainability is very in.
2: It's very now, isn't it? You, you know, along with uh, recycling and everything else, I can just see how you could, you could do a modern spin on that. People uh, making their own bread, growing their own <laughs> veg, all that sort of thing, everything being organic um, and, and quite a few sort of jokes uh, about a sort of millennial version of the good life. I think it, I think it could be funny.
1: Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. I Googled 1970 shows because obviously I'm way too young. Um, Yeah. Uh, And I was horrified by what came up. It was things like Little House on the Prairie, which I was forced to watch multiple times by my mum. The Waltons, again, forced to watch endlessly. And even things like Happy Days that I love. Can you imagine if they brought it back? They'd get someone like Danny Mack playing the Fonz or something. It would just, oh God, it would be bad.
2: It'd be very cheesy. A lot of the programmes that you look up, they probably don't stand the test of time. I think of the ones I listed, really, Forty Towers is really held up. But, but some of the others, I think, yeah, remakes, remakes generally just aren't a good idea.
1: If I had to pick one, I suppose I'd pick more and Mindy. I really enjoyed that. But then who would be Robin? I mean, it's just, it's too iconic a character. Robin Williams was brilliant in that.
2: The chance of it being better than the original, it's like a, you know, a cover version of a song. It just doesn't, doesn't really work.
1: Hey, Cher's Fernando was amazing. Okay, fair enough. You're listening to Series Linked. Coming up, Amanda Mealing tells us her box set to watch before you die. Plus, up next, sitcom legend Martin Coons.
3: When you buy clothes from Balkan, you're not buying from just another online retailer. You're buying from a five-star rated brand. Fit and quality is at the heart of everything we do. And you're not buying throwaway fashion either. You're buying meticulously crafted, elegant pieces that you'll love forever. Our collections are defined by foundational pieces infused with timeless essentials and relevant trends. Marie-Claire described our collections as everyday designs with a cool fashion edge. And The Telegraph said, If you're after a perfectly pulled-together, paired-back capsule wardrobe, then Balcon is your go-to. Right now, you can enjoy a little luxury for less in our end-of-season sale. And with free delivery and returns when you spend £59, there's never been a better time to try us. In fact, the only difficult bit is spelling our name. Balcon. B A U K J E N. Find us at balcon.com. That's B A U K J E N.com.
1: So, Monday evening saw the first episode of a brand new comedy on BBC, Warren, and I'm very glad to say that joining us in the studio is the star of that show and many other shows, Mr. Martin Clunes. Hey. Hey. So, this is your first podcast, Martin? Yeah. Very exciting yeah. and honoured to have you here. Yeah,
4: it's great to be in Australia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, tell us about Warren and how you got involved, because it's been a little while since you went into sitcom land. Ah,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I sort of... Yes, I mean, I never say never to anything, but I I think I had sort of internally, because I wouldn't know who to say it to, but sort of said to myself, because I did the remake of um, the memorable Reggie Perrin, and um, it just had such a weird reaction on people, and I thought I was really lucky to get the chance to, to do that, and then it's, I don't know, it had a very weird reaction, seemed to make people cross, so I... Um, we did a couple of series of that and then the BBC um, dropped it, so that was that was fine. And I sort of thought, and everybody says this sort of debate is sitcom dead, blah de blah I mean, it clearly isn't because they keep recurring, but now they're called half-hour comedies. I suppose it because it doesn't have the audience thing, which I actually quite miss as a process. It's really good fun and you get to show off, <laughs> but you have to show off in a different way and it's probably better off. Doing it single camera, but anyway, my mate Jimmy Mulville, who we shared a dressing room together years and years ago, and have stayed in touch, and he we just laugh like kids when we see each other, and he runs Hat Trick, which is phenomenally successful, and he sent me this script, so I knew it was you know, it was going to be worth a read, and it it certainly was. I mean, it literally I just sort of started chuckling from the minute I was turning the pages, and it spoke to me, as we say, and um, so I did, you know, I sort of thought, well, let's 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 just do it, and it's been really. Uncomplicated because I get quite involved with the things that we make through my company and everything, and I have to give opinions on scripts and everything. And at this, I just got the scripts of that great, that's funny, let's do it. And it's been like that ever since. And the, the cast are just phenomenal, really good. And when they go well, these things, it, it's really good fun. It's really good fun with a group of like minded people who, who all like the scripts and like the bits that they've got to do. And the writers, you know, wrote great stuff for everyone to do. Um, so it was, it's just been an absolute joy.
1: And Warren's a grumpy, embittered-by-life driving instructor, would you say? <laughs> yes,
4: yes, I think so. Yes, he's kind of vile, and <laughs> self-serving, self-interested. I think his only redeeming feature is he seems to love his girlfriend, but not her children.
1: <laughs>
4: and he won't marry her.
2: I've seen some people describe him in reviews as a 21st century Victor Meldrew. Do you think that's unfair or? I I don't know really what that means, but um,
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, okay, that's good. That's a good thing to be compared to, isn't it? They could compare it to an unsuccessful show. (laughs) But um, yes, maybe uh, perhaps a bit ruder than I remember Victor Meldrew being. I mean, he's really rude, Warren, within the bounds of decent language up to a point. But um, that, that was also one of the things that appealed to me, actually. There was a certain liberty with the language, which I always... I, I don't know why. I, I still think it's all grown up and funny to swear a bit. But it's not like <laughs> massive swearing, but yeah.
1: But you have this lovely public image of Martin Clunes with the horses and everyone loves you. But you like playing these characters who are grumpy and vile. Like, well, Doc Martin's not vile, but he's pretty grumpy. Oh, he's
4: vile, yeah. Well, those are the breaks, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is this your sort of outlet?
4: Probably there is a sort of gestalt... Definitely, there's a bit of Gestalt therapy there. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could be as liberated as these horrible people.
2: <laughs> Do you think uh, Warren means well, sort of deep down? Is it no. family at
4: heart? <laughs> Absolutely not. He me. What Warren? What makes him tick? Is getting a good deal on something, some cheap goods, or getting one passed on some. You know, he, I think he'd go to any lengths to make a saving or get some personal advantage. There's one episode, he gets a chicken, because he thinks he's going to get eggs, free eggs. Off
1: the chicken. <laughs> but he has to feed the chicken. I mean, I'm not sure this is the best It strategy. doesn't
4: last. <laughs> the chicken lasts, but their relationship doesn't.
1: Excellent. And obviously, this is sort of double header of comedy. Uh, Monday nights now, Partridge and Warren. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be put together?
4: Well, I'm quite glad we're going first. For a while, I thought we were going afterwards, and I thought, oh, thanks a bunch. Um, <laughs> They talk about inherited audience, but yeah, you have to die to inherit something, not you. But um, I think I think great. I'm I'm, I'm happy to be um, Partridge's warm up. I re- I can't wait for to see the new Partridge. I gather it's great.
1: Because they're quite different comedies to put together. But... Completely different.
4: Yes, completely different. Yes, I'd say ours is 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 more what you might call mainstream. And he's well, Partridge is just an institution, isn't he? He's he's been on the Today program plugging it every morning this this week. I noticed Warren didn't get a chance there. So.
1: <laughs> but people love mainstream comedies. They get great ratings. Of course, ratings. yes. Well, and let's
4: hope so, yes, yes.
1: Do you think sometimes TV can get a bit caught up in what's fashionable in terms of commissioning?
4: I don't know. I, d- I think that there's something about comedy that sort of cuts through things like that because it's either funny or it isn't, whether it's fashionable or not, in a way that you can, you can palm off a lot of old dross as a drama. Um, provided it's ticking certain boxes, is and it, you know, it's hogwash. But it doesn't have to be funny. But if it's not funny, it ain't funny. You know, I, I'm not aware of any sort of phony comedies, if you know what I mean.
2: What, 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 what do you mean by the dramas? <laughs> like, I'm intrigued by what, what you mean. You mean if it's say a period drama with a big name, it would, it would do. No, okay? or if
4: it's, it's, if it's some wistful detective staring into the middle distance solving crimes in a nice jacket.
2: That tends to work.
4: <laughs> Bloody hell, yeah. <laughs>
2: And, and like as you say, comedy is there's a lot more uh, a lot more of a test, I suppose. There's no middle ground, no no sort of safe. I don't. Ground. I
4: don't think there is no, because it's a it's a it's a gut reaction. It's why they're so fun to do with an audience, because in a way, you you play the music with the audience. They've they've got a part to play as well, and you you ride them or whatever. You know, you they help you with with especially sort of gaggy humor. Um, it's really good fun to do with an audience. It's also fun to do without, but.
2: And I guess then you also get some sort of instant feedback
4: as to whether it works. Yeah, And if it's if it's like the old days, like a sitcom, um, they were just a room full of chimps. They were a gift. They were in the dream factory. (laughs) They hadn't paid. You know, uh, they had a warm up to keep them amused um, whilst cameras were being moved or whatever. And they were seeing everybody off the telly in the flesh. They were so excited. And that was really good fun.
2: And so does that make you more nervous about something like this? There's, you haven't had that audience. So something like Warren, you, you obviously think it's funny when you read the script, but you don't, I suppose, know until a week or two and you've read the reviews and stuff.
4: Well, I'm not so bothered by the reviews. I'm, you know, they'll 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 say what they say for whatever reason. But uh, as long as people are coming up and saying that was funny, you know, and, and enough people, actually a lot of people have come up and said this was funny. And we've I mean, sound smug here, but we all thought it was funny when we were doing it. So um, that's... I guess that's probably the only indication you can get. And we had a talented director who will edit it rhythmically and stylishly. And also you can do things without a, without being trapped in a, in a studio that you couldn't do. You can't do funny car driving in a studio. You'd hit someone. Um, but, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of, Physical humor of cars, I think, in this.
1: Well, you were saying the other day you were learning to do handbrake turns and doing all sorts of stunts and.
4: Yeah, well, it was just one, but I, yes, I'd never. Um, yes, I mean, there's a thing you see when you. Well, it's very technical, but. You you have to, you know, you can they, they say, right, go round the roundabout, come down, overtake that one, then come in here and then park on that, stop on that mark. Because if you don't, you'll have the strut of the window right through your face and you've ruined the shot. So you've literally got to hit that mark to the inch. And uh, boring as it is, those are skills you have to uh, acquire along the way. And I was quite happy with doing all that, but I'd never done any, uh, I've never done any real sort of stunt driving I mean I've I've driven badly because I know the roads locked off and I know I can go I mean in in Doc Martin I hurtle around those lanes within, in that vast car because I know the roads are locked off and it's safe to do so and I think it's funny but, <laughs> but I, I'd never done a handbrake turn and I was in the car with the guy I said how do you do a handbrake turn I haven't put it to the test yet I haven't driven anybody else's car for a while
1: I feel this is a, an obvious ITV commission Martin Cleans drives fast cars drives
4: badly yeah <laughs> Men driving badly. Hello, there's
1: a title. There we go. It's, yeah, it's they stuff. love that. <laughs> so, did you film this back to back with Manhunt, or did, did is that just how it came no, out? I
4: did Manhunt um, uh, early spring, um, sort of this time last year, and then I went and I did. I went around America for the summer and then did Warren, um, sort of, November. It's been one of those years, yeah.
1: But, I mean, you're used to things being well-received, but Manhunt, that was an incredible reaction, both yeah. in terms of people praising your performance and also people coming forward about about the crimes. It's such an amazing impact. Yes,
4: yes, extraordinary, yes. And you don't often get uh, critical and public acclaim at the same time, because critics know better. Um, but and, and we got a lot of flack before it came out from, from journalists who were... Well, actually, they just wanted to write about the crimes again, but but they were accusing us of being outrageous, and actually, they shut right up the minute it came up because that wasn't what we were doing.
1: So it must have made you really proud. It did.
4: It did because it was quite it was quite a risk for us, and it was a departure for us. And my wife had spent four years, you know, contacting the family members of the people involved and clearing it with compliance legally. It was it was quite a minefield, um, and also trying to make a good bit of. Drama as well, you know. But um, yeah, it was it was really gratifying.
1: And you spoke yeah. to Colin Sutton while you're making it. Did you speak to him afterwards about the? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's um, yeah, he's he, well, he was he was around a lot. You know, he was very helpful in in the, in the making of it. And um, uh, yes, I, I think he's 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 pleased with it. It's so, it's funny to use words like pleased when women have been murdered, and you know, mm. to sort of high five yourself and punch the air about your success, but you know it 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 did get away with it and it didn't it didn't upset anyone and um which was important to us
2: and and is that something that type of project something you'd take on again or is it something you wouldn't do that often because it's quite intense
4: <clears throat> well it just sort of you know it came up and it was it was the next thing to do so it uh, and it felt right to, to do it then we we're, we're looking into there was another equally grisly case that colin um solved that we're sort of looking into but that's another legal minefield as well so you know it won't be another four years i don't know but we'll see it would be awful to make a b-side to manhunt but obviously you know their itv were thrilled with the way it performed and um they'd be keen to kind of have another another visit at that. Uh, we'll so say. that's
2: something we'd probably look for in a few, year, a couple yeah. of years if it was going to happen? Or? Yeah, maybe, yeah.
1: Are you the kind of actor that would need to go and do some yoga to get out of that headspace or do you, as soon as you walk off set, are you uh, fine? Yeah, it's I'm quite really,
4: yeah. 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 yeah, quite shallow.
1: <laughs> 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 but I guess guessing much more fun to do something like Warren in a way <clears throat> that you can just let I, it's loose. It's all fun, do you know what yeah. I
4: mean? I'm really lucky to have the job I have and I, I, I like working with actors and I like I like the process of filming a lot and I like the people who do it. And um, so it's all it's all jam, you know.
5: <laughs>
2: and is something like Islands of America is that some is it as fun as it looks, or is there a lot of stop and starts, or is it? There's do, a lot a of um, holiday?
4: there's a lot of loading and unloading. So you you know you've, you've you're like every two days you're on the move. So you you got thirty two pieces of luggage that are kit boxes and everything, and that's got to go on the plane, off the plane, on the minibus, off the minibus, into the hotel, out of the hotel. You know, there's a lot of that. But having said that. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, way of going places, and the access you can get is is unrivaled. You know, extraordinary the places I've found myself. But and I really, I did. It it felt massive. It was. It was. There were four trips to America throughout the summer, of about three weeks each, and it did. You know, come the end. and you'll see tonight, Tuesday, the last episode. I got a bit, um, a bit teary at the end because it was just sort of felt like a massive thing that we'd done. And after all the sort of excitement and seeing the bears in Alaska and the volcanoes in Hawaii, to finish, we finished up on these islands off the coast of Maine, that seemed a very distilled. Microcosm of all that island life and seemed quite pure in a way, because these were people who were really isolated, and we were on a, a mission boat that bought them food and education and pastoral care and health care and all these things to these piece, people that wouldn 't get it elsewhere and it just it seemed like a very good way to sort of end after all that the, the drama and fireworks to come back you know with, uh, to just people who who clung to little bits of rock and lived their lives there
1: so where next?
4: Well, we're sort of talking about the islands of the Pacific Ooh. or the islands of bloody anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just give me some air mild.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, re- it's a great, uh, it's a great subject, I think. And people are, seem to be, um, they, they're, they're very interested by it. People, that's, it's great to hear that word. Um, that People say, wow, that's really interesting. And I didn't know that and, and things like that. That feels good to have done that.
1: And what can you tell us about New Doc Martin? When do you start filming? Do you know what you'll be doing?
4: Yes, we're going down the end of uh, next month, March, uh, and we'll be there for five months. Um, There will be a grumpy doctor, some patients, (laughs) and a dog. (laughs)
1: <laughs> always a dog always
4: dodging the dog yeah Is
1: there any personal happiness for martin for a bit give him a bit of a break or
4: let's say satisfaction shall we okay. and leave it at that but no not no not big smiles or chuckles <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with my premise
1: <laughs> and i've heard that people use their dogs to talk to you on the set of dot martin oh uh,
4: yes yes they yes they do sometimes yes it's, it's, I, I sort of blessed them like the Pope yeah, but, and they started thanking me after as well because I just go sort of easy to talk to someone about their dog
1: so, think, oh Marcy won't give me an, an autograph but if I bring my dog you'll want to talk to the dog is that the idea
4: <laughs> well I don't know I, there was someone I asked them how old their dog was and be, it's not my dog <laughs> she just grabbed a dog um but it's nice to talk to, you know, if you if you pay someone's dog a compliment, which is very easy to do, you've made their day, you know. I don't know if anyone likes one of my dogs, I'm over the moon, and I do like it's 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 nice. For English holidaymakers down there, they take their kids and their dogs with them, so it's sort of quite nice to see.
2: And you must get recognised around the world for that <clears> now. I think it's sold in over seventy countries. Is there some weird places you you get people talking to you about it?
4: I don't know. It's all a bit weird, you know, because the primary customers are uh, UK and ITV, and the you know it always, it's always quite funny, but um, yeah, all over the place: South America, New Zealand. Once when we were doing the islands of Australia, Norfolk Island, it was, which is way off the east coast, thousands of miles from anywhere, and I was it was like being the Beatles. I got off the plane. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and there were people leaving signs up around the, you know I heart Doc Martin signs up around the island it was I think they were just thrilled that somebody came all the way out there to see them that they'd seen on the telly but it's yeah it's really gratifying they love that show
1: is it awkward like do you just know what to say when someone's screaming in your face it's Doc Martin or? that's
4: slightly awkward yes I do yes, <laughs> yes, but if they had a dog we could break the ice
1: <laughs> this is where they're going wrong yeah <laughs> and, and Warren, the idea to have a second series, that this is going to be a long established thing on the BBC, do you think?
4: Well, who knows? That's not up to me. But I mean, obviously, uh, that's what everybody wants is a, re- is a returning series. And um, uh, Hattrick, they, they gave us all um, T-shirts with, and they, they optimistically said Warren Series 1 on the t shirt So, of course, you know, yeah, I mean, if they can, yeah, the, and I'm sure the boys can keep writing it.
2: It looks like on, on paper anyway, you've got almost a perfect mix there. You've got a, the travel programme, the big drama, the comedy. If you could keep them all going, that that's the perfect year every year, isn't it? Yeah. It'd be a
4: contract, wouldn't it? Yeah. till I get caught.
2: Is there, is there, <laughs> is there any sort of unfulfilled TV ambition, anything you haven't tried or something that you'd like to have a go at? Yeah, not really.
4: I'm not that ambitious, you know, I, I, but I'm ambitious to stay busy, um, because I have to pay for everything and we're quite expensive to run, um, with all these horses. But, um, but, uh, no, I think I'm, you know, all right, just doing the next thing. I, I do like the... I would love to keep going with doing islands and around the world because that's, um, that's really interesting. But, yeah, I'd love to do something else with horses, but I think I've probably covered that subject now as far as TV is concerned.
1: There's got to be the equivalent of Paul O'Grady's Battersea show, but with horses at a donkey sanctuary <laughs> or something. Come on, I, I see it happening.
4: Oh, the donkeys. Oh, I love donkeys.
1: And what do you watch on telly if you get a moment?
4: um what do i watch i'm watching Fauda at the moment have you seen any of that no um so that's like a i'm not a great fan of tv cop shows they don't float my boat but this one scene because it's set in israel and you can't tell who's palestinian and who's israeli and everyone's at each other's throats and that's ghastly but it sort of gives it an added air of realism and nobody's staring into the middle distance (laughs) that (laughs) sounds quite intense yeah it is pretty intense actually yeah yeah but it's very it's really well made and it's it's great to see a different set of faces on telly if you know or even facial types and locations you know it's it's, um quite good but my absolute favorite program in the whole world is would i lie to you
1: oh yeah great show (laughs) it's
4: just fabulous
1: You've been on it, right?
4: I did go on it once, yes.
1: And was it as good as you thought it would be?
4: It was great, but I've sort of uh, I, I haven't gone back on it because I quite like my punter status with it. You know, I like it rather than having a you can spoil things by being in them. I, God knows, I've tried.
2: <laughs> and that that kind of program you can watch and really relax and enjoy it, whereas I guess some other type of programs you'd watch it think with your sort of uh, work hat on. Or you'd yes, be maybe about...
4: yes, yes, that would never happen. Or yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, that is true. Yes, there's no, no, no um, hidden secrets as to how it's made. I just think, you know, in the old days, comics were horrible to one another and they'd sort of curl their lip if someone else was being funny. But those three, Rob and David Mitchell and Lee Mack, they're so individually funny in their own right and they so dig each other, don't they, and make each other laugh. That it's it's a real joy to watch. It's it's I just love it.
1: I say it's far less aggressive than a lot of the panel shows. It's more like just a parlor game. Yes, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. And we you know, I like anything that I I that my daughter will watch with us if she ever comes home.
1: Oh, is it not cool to sit and watch T V with mum and dad for now? Or oh, is well, she's like she's at uni now, so okay. we never
4: see her, yeah. But um, but, um, no, we all like watching that together, yeah.
1: Did you teach your daughter how to drive, talking about driving instructors and things? Yes, I did, actually. How did that go? Fine,
4: fine. No, there was a, there was a lot more grief teaching her to ride a bike. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, no, well, we we have a little buggy that we, we cart things around the farm on, so I taught her, you know, accelerate a brake on that to get going. And she's a very smart girl, so she picked it up. She passed her test first time.
1: Oh, amazing! Yeah, and,
2: and you passed your test with no lessons at all. No, none. <laughs> it
4: seems seems slightly strange when I read that.
2: Does it?
1: Yeah. How how did you manage to
4: well learn? Uh, because I don't know if you still can, but if you had someone with a full license sat in the passenger seat and your L plates on, off you could go. And um, I can tell this story now. My mother, God rest her soul, is, is no longer with us, but I invented a friend <laughs> <laughs> called Richard, who we lived on Wimbledon Common. And we were sort of at the end of the line. And I'd say, Mum, it's just not fair to make Richard walk over here so that we can drive right past his house. I'll ju- it's just up the road. I'll pick him up on the way. <laughs> Off I'd go.
1: In her car? Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. They, well, we, we don't see Richard anymore since you passed. Your, no, he's moved. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, isn't it?
1: Never got pulled over? Or? No.
4: Very no. Good. Even though... the There were policemen in those days. They've taken all those away.
1: They have. That's another show. Thank you so much for joining us, Martin. Warren is on BBC One Monday nights at nine o'clock and we can't wait to see what else he gets up to. Thank you for being here.
4: Thanks for having me. Thanks.
1: Right, so past the remote, we're going to turn to Channel 4 now and let's talk about one of my absolute favourites, which I thought I was going to hate the first time I saw it and I'm absolutely obsessed with. Child genius. Jeffers, are you a fan?
2: I am and you can sort of watch this on two levels as well because you can watch the kids and you can sort of feel nervous for them and the tension but you can also have a good look at the parents and I mean some of them (laughs) they're they're sort of from a different world to me anyway that some of them are super keen some of them are super competitive there's one on there who even takes one of the tests herself I mean it's is it's very you know, interesting my kid
1: learned zulu i'm gonna learn zulu exactly oh, right, love, yeah. like calm down
2: you know you can't win just just as so clear <laughs> you, you know you can't compete so so i think it's quite interesting to watch and sometimes quite amusing from that point of view but then you have got this sort of tension when all of the young young uh, kids take their test so it is quite enjoyable watch uh, and also i think richard Osman, a great host he's brilliant he also gets the tone right with the children which is very important because it could it could feel very unfair that it could could get too emotional you know some of the kids end up pulling out at some point and that all has to be dealt with in the right way so so i think you think it's a pretty rounded show and you're obviously a fan as well
1: well i just find it endlessly fascinating because this show could easily it could easily be a showcase for precocious brats which i've no interest in watching or it could be you know, really saccharine and, oh, let's cuddle the children. I mean, the, the Christmas special of Child Genius is among the best Christmas telly you will see. But you have four celebrities, people like Jimmy Carr, or whatever, who are hell-bent on taking these kids down. There's no mercy at all. It's, you know, proper warfare. And that's fun. It's funny. And the kids are all up for it and they think it's really amusing. Um, my favourite ever Child Genius is Mog, if you remember him, because some of the parents are really pushy, but Mog's parents totally bewildered by him as if as if they didn't give birth to him themselves they're like he's just really interested in facts and we really understand it like it's just very funny and he he's just a sort of mini david mitchell type figure
2: i sort of prefer some of the parents like that where they're almost unable to help the kid the kid you know the child's about nine or ten years old and they're already way beyond the intelligence of their parents i think that was the case with uh, connor the kid from tottenham and, uh, you know, they're sort of proud of him, but equally they're sort of bewildered and they can't really help. You know, they're trying to read stuff off their phone to try and help them learn. But, yeah, that, that side of it is really nice to watch. There are a few improvements I think I could make, though, to this programme. For a start, it features the worst name badges probably of all time on TV. <laughs> Laminated A4 or A4 pieces of paper around the neck. Look like they've run out of budget. You know, that, that, that could definitely do with a little change. And I also think kids this sort of age should probably be banned from wearing like ties or bow ties. I just think it doesn't unless it's at a wedding. It's I just geek, think shake, I just think it looks a bit wrong, you know. But, but that's because you're
1: that... a scruff. I've never seen you in a tie. <laughs> when are you ever going to turn up with a bow tie to this podcast? All
2: right, I'll wear a bow tie next week. Nice. But, but um, other than that, joking aside, I think it. You know, it's a very, it's very nice show. It's very, the tone is just, is just right. It's not too like you say, syrupy, sweet, and, you know, there's, there's emotion, but there's also a bit of humour and a bit of sort of almost looking at the parents and wondering, you know, what they're up to. So, I th- yeah, I think it's decent.
1: Quick word about Michael and Melissa, the, the brother and sister double act going on there. <laughs> the mum clearly prefers the son to the daughter.
2: Yeah, I didn't like the way she didn't... sort of. There, there was no equal support for both of them. And then in the first show, Melissa obviously didn't do well in her spelling and, and went out. And the, the reaction of the mum was, oh, well, I've only got to worry about one kid in the competition. And I thought, well, no, you, you should be also <laughs> worrying about the fact your daughter is quite upset and has just, you know, entered this thing she spent months revising for. You know, there should be equal love and equal care to both of them. And she was just saying, C- you know, can Michael still win this? And that seemed to be the only thing she cared about.
1: I love it. I love it. It's good to watch this programme with people as well, actually, because just need to bitch the whole way through it and you you do really sort of back one of the kids it's it's bizarre the effect it has on me but i absolutely love it and rich is brilliant right moving on to something a little bit different this thursday channel 4 has a documentary you might have actually heard about this already it's called three identical strangers uh you you've heard the name because it's been nominated for a bafta lots of people thought it should have won an, or at least been nominated for an oscar but this is its tv premiere on channel 4 jeffers do you want to set it up a little bit for us
2: yeah, basically, it is three strangers, essentially. And in 1980, what happened is a guy called uh, Robert Shaffron, he turns up at Sullivan Community College. He's going to college. Uh, he's going to be a fresher. And uh, he's walking around the corridors, and people keep slapping him on the back, saying hello. Girls are coming up and kissing him on the lips. And he's thinking this this obviously can't be a normal day for a fresher. And it turns out they all think he is a guy called Eddie, who was at the, at the college the year before. Fast forward a, bit, a little bit, there's phone conversations and stuff and it turns out these two guys, uh, which is actually Edward Galland and Robert Shafran, are related and they're actually, uh, they're actually twins and they were both adopted. It turns out that th- there were three in total, th- uh, three twins, they were all adopted and uh, they didn't know that they had siblings. And that's sort of the start of this incredible documentary. It starts off very light and fun and then it, then it gets a bit darker
1: well yeah because initially they're like wow we're triplets this is this is exciting and they make some money off it and they have a bachelor pad and then things start to kind of go wrong because obviously it's not right for triplets to be separated at birth and it is it's an incredible story and when you start getting into the detail of what happened to them it's pretty outrageous and shocking do you think it's a good piece of documentary making or do you think it's just a story that's interesting
2: no, it's 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 definitely a it's a good documentary, a good film. It, it's a real roller coaster ride, as you say at the start. You've got the got this trio of guys. Feels like they had the world at their feet in 1980. Every newspaper wanted a piece of them. They're on, you know, the equivalent of Ellen back then. They're on about you know twenty TV shows. They go into business together. It it all looks on the surface to be very happy, but then you realise none of the parents who adopted them really knew uh, that there were siblings. They thought they were taking on an o- effectively an only child. And, and the reasoning behind them being split up is to do with, with experiments and things that, that lead to them having sort of bad mental health when they were growing up. And it gets a lot darker and it's much harder to watch perhaps the second half of the film. But that is what also makes it makes it a good film because you have that light and then you then you have the the real darkness. And it it does get really dark towards the end. But it seems like quite an important film as well. Yeah,
1: I would just say really refreshing to have a, a documentary that everyone's talking about that isn't about women being murdered. Hooray. That's true. It's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Now, last week, Simon Cowell surprised us all by revealing himself to be a big Columbo fan. Love Thunderbirds as well. Good luck to you, Simon. This week, it's the turn of Amanda Mealing, who you'll know best as Connie Beecham in Casualty. Let's find out what her box set to watch before you die is.
5: Hi, I'm Amanda Mealing, and my box set to watch before you die is Killing Eve. (laughs) There's been an assassination in Vienna. Cool. Sorry. She's highly skilled, as yet untraceable, and frankly, she's starting to show off. Killing Eve is about a female assassin and the woman who's trying to track her down. A woman in London is leading a department
2: just to find you. (sighs) I want you to watch her.
5: Promise you won't be naughty.
3: I promise I won't be
5: naughty. The reason I think it's so amazing is because not only do you have one female protagonist, you have two. You have two female leads. That in itself is really unusual. But it's adapted by a woman. It is produced by a woman. I mean, the female influence in there is is really strong. And it's a really good representation as well.
3: Are doing this to me, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> she will keep hurting people until I catch her. I have to find her.
1: She wants me to find her.
5: I haven't been feeling any stress recently.
3: Let me out! I had quite a heavy period last week,
0: but other than that, I think I'm okay.
5: It's curious the two leading ladies at opposite ends of the um, moral and ethical kind of divide. And yet they're very, very similar, and are drawn together. They have this curious relationship where they they admire and are I don't drawn to each other, but come from absolute opposite sides.
3: I know you're a psychopath. You should never tell a psychopath they are a psychopath.
5: It's just, just a brilliantly observed piece and i mean everything the costume the makeup the lighting the shots everything about it is brilliant so and i cannot wait for series 2
1: well, I don't think we're going to get any arguments here for Killing Eve being a box set to watch before you die. It's just superlative, isn't it?
2: I mean, she's, Amanda's lucky in a way that it's was still available. It's, it's quite an obvious choice, but yeah, definitely, definitely worthy of being on the list. Um, and luckily as well, she's not going to have too much longer to wait. The second season has got a release date in America. It's April the 7th. So we're probably looking around the same time that it's going to be back in the UK as well. For me, it's obviously all about the two leading ladies, Sandra Oh and uh, Joni Comer, and their sort of uh, relationship, a love-hate, love-relationship, uh, and it is, it's absolutely
1: fantastic. You, are you a fan as well? Oh, God, such a fan. And for me, it's all about Phoebe's writing. Her voice is so, you know, distinctive. I'm a bit worried because the second series is written by Emerald Fennell from Call the Midwife, and, you know, that's... I'm sure that she's brilliant, but it it just feels like uncharted territory just because, you know, you can hear Phoebe's voice so clearly. But I'm really excited. And I hope because for series one, there was a massive gap between US transmission and UK transmission. But you don't think that's going to be the case this year?
2: No, from what I've heard from BBC, that they're hoping to do it around the same time. I I really hope there's no gap at all. What you don't want is to to be reading spoilers uh, at the start of April. And we've still waiting a few days before it comes on. So so hopefully we'll get it exactly the same time. I've got, I have got concerns as well. Um, I had the same worries about the second series of Fleabag, which luckily we've seen the start of, and it is great. But this, I'm just wondering how you improve on it and also where it's going to go. You know, it it felt like it might even be completed by the end of season one. And there was sort of a twist at the end. It's just where it's going to go now, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I mean, because we had this with Handmaid's Tale, which I, I found incredible television. And then everyone's been having a moan about series two. So, you know, we just hope that they can keep that standard up. But... You know, if you haven't watched Killing Eve yet, do yourself a favour. I know that, you know, Amanda talks a lot about having a massive female influence, but it's not just a, a woman's show. You know, everyone loves it. I don't know anyone who's seen it and was underwhelmed by it. It's so brilliant.
2: It's also beautifully shot, which we haven't really mentioned. The the costumes that they look, you know, all the characters look fantastic. It's quite dark. It's quite funny. It's, it's got a bit of everything and it. It really is, you know, one of the best things we've had on TV in the last couple of years, I think.
1: So that's Killing Eve. Definitely watch it before you die, but preferably sooner, I would say. And we'll be hearing from another famous face from the telly to tell us their box set to watch before you die next week. And don't forget, you can see Amanda in Casualty and particularly the big Casualty and Holby crossover, which is airing Saturday the 2nd and Tuesday the 5th of March on BBC One. Well, we're almost out of time for this week's episode, but as ever... Save the Best or Last, we need to look across our EPGs and hazard a guess at what we'll be talking about not just next week, but also next month and next year. Jeffers, this is your moment. What shall we be looking for next week?
2: Next week is one of the best lineups of TV we've got had for a long time. Um, there is Fleabag coming back. There is a big Jacko documentary that no doubt we're going to be talking about next week. There's Celeb Bake Off for Stand Up to Cancer. But there's also White Gold, which is a comedy that's been on once before. Uh, with Ed Westwick, and he played Vincent Swan in it. He's a sort of flashy uh, double glazing salesman. And I think that's going to be talked about for lots of reasons. Ed's been in the news a lot, and uh, that's coming back. So it'll be interesting to see whether people are still going to watch that, whether people are still interested to to watch him on screen, really.
1: And what about next month?
2: Next month, um, Channel 4 have got a comedy. It's called Home. Um, It's got Rufus Jones, who's on TV quite a lot at the moment. And it sort of focuses around a Syrian refugee who ends up sort of living with uh, Rufus's character and his family in suburbia. He's uh, seeking asylum, and it's sort of comedy based around that. Quite an unusual sounding comedy, but I think it could be quite good.
1: Yeah, it sounds really heavy, but it is really funny. I've seen the first two episodes, great. And next year?
2: Two options here. We've got Sanditon, and that is going to be the first ever television adaptation of a Jane Austen unfinished novel, um, amongst the cast, there is uh, Chris Marshall. So I think that sounds like it's going to be good. It's going to be an eight-parter in about a year's time. And then I've also been hearing about um, the TV rights have been brought up to do a story of the life of Joan and Jackie Collins. There's no channel for that yet, but I'm quite excited by the amount of glitz and glamour that's going to be in that one.
1: Oh, amazing. Who's going to play them? I mean, what a, what a show that's going to be. Lots for us to keep an eye on there, but that's all we've got time for today. This has been the Series Linked Podcast. Thank you to everyone who's left a five-star review or said something nice on the podcast apps. Keep them coming if you'd be so kind. And be sure to subscribe so that your next episode is ready for you on Tuesday morning. Until then, bye-bye. Bye.
0: Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time.